Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Well, if you've been with me since the beginning of Shades of the Afterlife, we now have many episodes under our belt. And as with any new relationship, we start off with the good stuff first, don't we? If you go on a date with a new prospective boyfriend or girlfriend, oh, you have such lovely conversation. And it's only a matter of time before you get deeper under the surface of what makes people tick. Well, with me, I've had a fear of sharing the afterlife with people. And as you know, it's taken me some time. And now I feel like I am fully out and fully open. I say that, but there's some areas of life after death that I really haven't explored too much. One of them is physical mediumship. And if you've listened to episode three, you got a little taste of trance mediumship. And I do read your comments. You may not know this, but if you go to iHeartRadio and you search for Shades of the Afterlife, just beneath the episodes, you can leave comments. So why I am telling you this is... There was one gentleman who wrote about episode three. He wrote, complete and utter bupkis, meaning I don't buy it. It's crazy. You may believe it, but you're really out there. That's kind of what I took it to mean. In fact, when I was on this journey, I wanted the afterlife to be real. Oh, I really did. But so much of what came my way seemed like complete bupkis. So. It took some time, and now I figure our relationship is one that you know me, hopefully you like me, and you're interested in seeing what else I've explored and what else I believe in. Physical mediumship, to me, always has sounded like something so far out there that our human minds can't get around being even remotely possibly true. In fact, I didn't even know of its existence. My first knowledge of physical mediumship was after attending the EVP conference with Tom and Lisa Butler that was electronic voice phenomena, capturing sounds and then playing them back to hear voices and messages from loved ones. Tom and Lisa told me something I must experience, and they called it physical mediumship. They told of a medium named David Thompson from Australia, and the experience they had was this. They said they sat in complete darkness, holding hands with a circle of people, and there was a physical medium, a person, this David Thompson, tied to a chair, sitting in a cabinet. The cabinet being a rather large box of wood with a cloth in front of it so that the medium could get in with his chair. And they said in the darkness, voices were heard 
and people became real again. So, as my friend earlier said in that message, sounded to me like complete bupkis. However, I trust Tom and Lisa. They have been on the exploration of afterlife communication for so long that I do believe them. However, this concept sounded way far out to me. And anything that happens in darkness, I think our skeptical minds can easily think someone must be manipulating something in the darkness to do whatever phenomena is happening. Since physical mediumship was first discovered, it has been studied and analyzed and all kinds of scientific people had attended these seances, really trying to prove, is it the medium doing this phenomena or is it something from the unseen world? In Tom and Lisa's experience, the group of 17 people gathered around in a horseshoe shape around this cabinet that David sat in. Everyone who entered the room was asked to search the room to make sure there is no hidden objects or there's no trap door that someone could tamper with the room. In fact, David Thompson gets tied to a chair, strapped down so he cannot get out. And they had two independent people that were there who would make sure that he is absolutely, totally secured in the chair. And anyone attending was welcome to check as well, which Tom and Lisa did. And this ectoplasm, which exudes from the medium's body, when it is exposed to light or it's interfered with by someone trying to reach out and touch it, it is part of the medium's body, they say, and rapidly retracts into the medium and can cause external and internal injuries. Hence, the experience being held in complete darkness. However, from time to time, a red light does go on. I decide to find David Thompson's website, which no longer exists currently. But at the time, I looked around. He had a couple of videos of trance mediumship. And at that time, I didn't even know trance mediumship was a thing. In fact, what trance mediumship is, is someone closing their eyes hearing several pieces of music or not, but just to blend their energies with the folks that live in the unseen world and allowing someone to use his vocal cords and his mouth to speak. So after seeing this David Thompson speak quite a bit, I see him speak in trance. I had goosebumps fill my body to think that this is definitely not the same person. Now, while it's easy to think that someone could put on a voice and make you think that it could be someone from the afterlife, we really have to look at intelligence here. The personality was different. The communicator never missed a beat. Filling his words with such wisdom and so profound messages that, you know, when you just know something's real and then you know something is BS, well, I just knew that in this, it was real. If you've listened to episode three, I begin the conversation with trance mediumship 
and give actually a sample that you can listen to of a friend of mine, Scott Milligan, speaking in trance. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wonderful. After I spent enough time on David Thompson's website, I clicked on recommended links. Lo and behold, he mentioned this Scott Milligan physical medium. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's one, now there's two. Not knowing who Scott Milligan was at the time, five years ago, being a Facebook user, I found this young man on Facebook and sent a request to be a friend. Now, he didn't know me, but something must have told him to say yes to my friendship request. When he did, and I was able to see his Facebook page, there was an upcoming retreat held at a place called Banyan Retreat in the UK. It was five days filled with afterlife information, with trance mediumship, evidential mediumship, and physical mediumship. In fact, both David Thompson and Scott Milligan were going to be there. I called myself an afterlife explorer. I said that I would scan the earth for the best possible evidence of the afterlife. And everything in my being said I had to attend that retreat. Now, knowing that things were going to happen in the dark, that I'd be holding hands with complete strangers, and that it is possible, not probable, did I think at the time, that people could become physical again and be able to talk. I just knew that I had to attend. And the Banyan retreat said it was 99% full. And in that one moment, I decided to buy my ticket to attend Voices of the Past at Banyan Retreat. Attending this retreat was something I kept so secret from absolutely everybody. Now, it's one thing to be interested in investigating the afterlife. It's a whole nother story to tell people that you are flying from the United States to Heathrow International Airport in London, and then taking a cab drive for another hour and a half to go to some retreat where you're going to sit in darkness and experience a seance. When you think of seances, and pretty soon I'm going to say the word ectoplasm, what do we think of? We think of the green slimy stuff in Ghostbusters. I want to tell you my story first, and then I want to tell you a little bit about the truth about Ghostbusters. Because you may not know this, but Dan Aykroyd, who wrote Ghostbusters and starred in the movie, comes from a long line of spiritualists. His family had these seances. His family witnessed these people becoming alive again. Young Dan learned of this from his father and from a trunk filled with notebooks from the great-grandfather about all the people that rematerialized. And young Dan, planted with those words like seances and ectoplasm and ghosts and having the mind that he did, he created Ghostbusters. 
So I actually have an audio clip of Dan talking about Ghostbusters and Dan's father, Peter Aykroyd, who wrote the book, A History of Ghosts, The True Story of Seances, Mediums, Ghosts, and Ghostbusters. Coming up, I'd like to share with you with my personal experiences the first time I sat in one of these seances and talk about some of the things that have happened since and some of the wild experiences I've had. Also, we'll hear that clip from Dan and Peter Aykroyd. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stay right there. There's more Sandra coming right up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot shades. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner and of course Gail's sister Elaine Katz having no closure it kills you join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network with the best shows that explore the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. You can enjoy all the shows on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Hey, it's time to head over to coasttocoastam.com and check out the Art Bell Vault, a collection of timeless audio. Listen to some of the great interviews with the likes of the late Father Malachi Martin, Dr. Evelyn Paglini, investigative journalist Jim Mars, and more. This is classic audio that you can enjoy at any time, and it's all heard without interruption. New shows are added each week, so find out how to access the Art Bell Vault now by going to coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. You're listening to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now let's get back to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are talking about something called physical mediumship. And I was just about to tell you about my story going to my very first seance. It's so hard to believe that I actually use this word in conversation, and that not only have I gone to one, but by now, I must have attended about two dozen of these seances. For the old Sandra, I would have never bought into this, never would have thought it's real. But on my journey, oh my gosh, have I witnessed miracles. And seances are something that you have to experience it to believe it. There is no amount of convincing or words that I have in my vocabulary that will let you know what I experienced was absolutely real. In fact, people first started attending seances ooh, back in the end of the late 1800s. And there were so many physical mediums that were walking on planet Earth. And here's the thing, back in the old days, we did not have all the computers and all the social media and all these things to keep us busy. What families would do is they would sit around home and they would sing and they would be together. Now that energy is the perfect energy to build what's needed for the seances to occur. So a physical medium is a regular person built the same way we are. But there's something inside, apparently all of us, called this ectoplasm that is a vapor that can exude from us. And when it hits air, it can become solid. It does sound far out. It sounds crazy. But again, I hope you've listened to me thus far and you trust me a little bit and you trust me on the journey. This was something I really needed to experience to be real. And honest to God, I didn't tell anybody in my life what I was doing. Because even now, I think you and I may not have met, but you may think I'm crazy. And that worries me. I know I'll get over it, but that's just my humanity. But when families would get together and they'd sing and provide this space for the spirit world to occur, 
many people had heard about mediumship like this. So many families and friends would get together on maybe a Saturday night, and they would sing and they would laugh and they'd build that environment for the spirit to be with them. And so different things could happen that they could find things started to levitate. They could hear voices from out of nowhere. One of the members of their group could actually be the medium and the spirit world would work through them. Really fascinating. There's some great names of great mediums that I'll share before the end of the episode if you're interested in researching this because it is wild but it is wonderful. And let's think about it. Again, we are hurling through the universe on a planet, which is one of billions and billions of planets. And there are stars so far that we would take, oh my gosh, thousands of lifetimes even to get to them. So when we think about the cosmos and we think even about our inner space down to our tiniest molecular atom, quark, you know, these things that are vibrating inside of atoms. Into all of this, all we are is invisible vibrating energy. So I'm not making this up. You can check it out for yourself. It's who we really are, just energy. So these things, while they seem outrageous, they are possible. Not only possible, but oh my gosh, what I had witnessed Before attending a seance, we were told we should be of good health. We should not bring in any personal belongings. We should take our shoes off, our jewelry off. When you get to the seance room, seances can last two, two and a half hours. You're not in complete darkness the entire time. There is what's called a circle leader. That is the person sitting on the right or the left of this cabinet where the medium is sitting. And they are kind of like the ringmaster of a circus. Oh, that's a bad comparison because it isn't a circus. It's fun. Yes, there is much laughter. Yes, but There are also voices of deceased loved ones, and there's a possibility of someone rematerializing or materializing out of this ectoplasm and being real again. Absolutely incredible, just the thought of that. But the circle leader from time to time will turn on a red light, and it's just to make sure everybody's comfortable, everything's safe. There are different experiences and things that happen within the seance, and you can hear things moving around. So by turning on a red light, you can see what's happened and what has changed in the room. And when I say people being of good health, we want to make sure that if we've had a lot to drink, we've cleared our bladder so we don't interrupt the seance If for any reason the seance has to come to an end, say somebody says that they're fine sitting in the dark, but then in the first few minutes they get a little freaked out, we let the people leave, no problem. But if you get, say, 45 minutes into it and something happens, the whole seance comes to an end. So the circle leader will just make sure everybody's healthy and well. Now, there are these things called apports, A-P-P-O-R-T-S, and they can be things that materialize from out of nowhere. I've become very close to medium Scott Milligan and his circle leader, Darren Wynn, and the stories they have are tremendous of things that have materialized 
things like flowers, things like pieces of art, things like jewelry. And why we need to take off our jewelry ahead of time is because they have had the experience that a beautiful gold cross materialized out of nowhere. And someone said, oh, I dropped that. Well, there's no way of proving whether that person brought it into the room or it actually did materialize. So just to be on the safe side, we don't bring in any jewelry. When we walk in, we see the cabinet. It's just a box and the chair goes beneath it. And there's some fabric, black fabric in front of it. So the medium can get in. They strap the medium down. Now, They say it's for two reasons. One is we want to believe with all of our might that this guy or girl doesn't get up from their chair and that they are moving things around in front of your face trying to scam and con you. In fact, there was a medium who was caught not too long ago, within the last couple of years, the mediumship community really felt like this guy was a fraud. So they had a camera, one of those cameras that can film in the dark. And somehow this gentleman did indeed get out of the chair and he was manipulating objects in front of people and claiming that was the spirit world doing these things. Now it's unfortunate because at that time when he did that, the few physical mediums that are out in the world demonstrating really got afraid that people would assume that if this guy's a scam, everybody's a scam. So they've taken really strong precautions to make sure that the room is checked, that people feel very strong that the medium is tied down securely. They use those cable ties, you know, those plastic cable ties to make sure this gentleman is tied down securely to his chair and he cannot move. Very, very important. So there's usually two people that are independent checkers that are part of the group that will really make sure this guy, and I'm saying guy because I've only witnessed male physical mediums, is secured in his chair. The rest of us can also look around And check it out to make sure the room is secure. There's no other way in, no other way out. So I was scared to death at my first seance. And the roommate I was paired with was so kind. She couldn't believe my fear. And she said, of course, she had to remember her first experience when she was afraid. She says, Sandra, you'll immediately feel so much love and there's laughter and it's fun and there's singing. It's, they're very special. So, okay, I was ready. When we were all seated in our circle, there was probably about 25 of us. The circle leader made sure we all felt comfortable and explained that there's going to be times that we sing to build the energy. There's times that the music plays and we sing along. When phenomena starts to happen, we are all instructed to hold hands And part of the reason for this is that if we are holding hands, 
we know it's not somebody in our group that is letting go and manipulating things. So very strict instructions that if somebody lets go of hands, we're to notify the circle leader right away. Oh, and I forgot to tell you the second reason that the physical medium is tied down. Have you ever walked in your sleep? You may do sleepwalking, you may not. But they said it's possible that the medium may wish to act out these things that they're experiencing. So just to keep them safe while they're out of it, they're tied down to their chair so they just can't move. After we found out everyone was comfortable, the light went out. What happened next is three pieces of music were played. Now, it was Scott Milligan, who you may have heard on episode three, and the music was just music that he likes to listen to so that he can let his mind fade away. Now, it's not something where someone takes over the medium's body. They don't do that. It's just energy. There's energy all around us all the time. And if we can get our consciousness out of the way, they are able to blend with us and I want to say use us. So if you're a trance medium, they are able to use your vocal cords and your mouth and speak. Now, there's always part of the physical medium that is not too far away. So as Scott explains it, it feels like he's listening to whatever's happening from a distant room. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss. 
host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, producer Tom here reminding you to make sure and check out our official Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel. For many of us, YouTube is our go-to place for audio-visual media, and we here at Coast to Coast are happy to share free hour-long excerpts of Coast to Coast AM with you, our loyal fans and new listeners. Our YouTube channel offers many different Coast to Coast AM hour-long pieces of audio on numerous topics, including ufology, extraterrestrials, conspiracies, strange creatures, prophecies, and much, much more. There's even a section that includes our most popular uploads, such as many of the David Pilates shows on people dis appearing in national parks to visit or subscribe just go to youtube and type in coast to coast am official or you can simply go to the coast to coast am.com website and click on the youtube icon at the top it's the official coast to coast am youtube channel you're gonna love this just get on over to coast to coast am.com and start your free listening now Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters big and small, support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS. Hey everybody, it's producer Tom and you're listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain on the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can listen to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. We were just listening to three tracks of music in the seance room. And after the music stopped, we were instructed to start singing. Now, uh, singing is not my strong suit, but that's actually what makes it so much fun and builds a lot of energy. Laughter. Oh my gosh, laughter is needed as well. So if you can imagine 25 adults sitting in a room trying to sing songs, trying to remember the words, 
It's pretty funny. There is an iPod in the room and the circle leader is the person that plays the first few pieces of music. But then the people that are in the spirit world can actually change the music on the iPod. The circle leader and the person sitting on the other side of the cabinet have two hands on the person sitting next to them. And also that person has to make sure that those hands never leave them. Okay, so there's integrity in the circle. I have witnessed the iPod changing music, which seems like it's changing on their own, to find songs that people know and sing to. So I am an 80s girl, and the song by Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, is on the iPod. And when I heard that song, I just belted out the lyrics because I do know them. This was around Christmas time. And what I had forgotten to tell you is that in the center of the circle, there was a little artificial Christmas tree. And everyone was invited to bring presents for the spirit children. Presents being things that aren't sharp, things that don't have light to them. But that would be joyful for a child. So I brought a couple of small Barbie dolls. Everything was wrapped All these presents were underneath the tree. So not only did we sing I Will Survive, but we were singing Jingle Bells, the 12 Days of Christmas. It was really joyful. And I didn't know what was going to happen. Also on the floor, amidst all these toys, there was a toy xylophone, a toy piano. There was a bell. There was a squirt gun. There was a glow-in-the-dark plaque. And there's something called a trumpet. Now the trumpet is just like a cone shaped object. It's not a trumpet like a musical instrument. But in the days gone by, physical mediums would all have this trumpet present because the spirit people, once they were able to talk, and I'll talk a little bit about the voice box that is made out of ectoplasm, they could talk into this trumpet and it would amplify their voice. Let's go back. Sandra's sitting in her chair. We are singing our hearts out. Well, all of a sudden, the first voice that we hear is the voice of Daniel. Daniel is a person who once lived that works with Scott, but he comes through as a young boy, playful, great sense of humor, He's there to give some instructions about the seance and put everyone's mind to rest. It's nice to know that when we depart this earth, we continue to have our sense of humor. At some point, Daniel says, the children have arrived. We hear the sound of all those Christmas presents being unwrapped at the very same time. If you could imagine 12 to 15 children all in a room ripping through presents on Christmas morning. That's what it sounded like. And then just after that, well, of course, what do we do with presents after we unwrap them? We play with them. So the bell started ringing, the xylophone started making noise, the toy piano, there was a drum there. I felt stuffed animals being thrown at my around my feet and a ball came by and it was wonderful. There's some hula hoops there that have glow in the dark 
tape on them. So we are able to see the hula hoops, what seemed like they were floating in air. It was as if a little spirit person just walked to each one of us and just presented this hula hoop. There's also something that is a glow-in-the-dark plaque. I heard everyone doing, ooh, ooh, you know, like, what's happening? And very slowly, this young spirit child came by and presented me the plaque. And I saw these two hands holding onto this glow-in-the-dark plaque. Now, they were child's hands like a two- or three-year-old, and the hands were actually moving. It was amazing because there was no children, live children, there in the room. And there's no way I could imagine that someone could have done that. Not having everything happening all at once, all these things happening, the music being played, the drum being beaten, the hula hoops going around the room, and a few people even got a little shot of water from the squirt gun. And during this time when the phenomena is happening, we are all instructed to hold our hands and stay perfectly still. Again, if there's any motion, it can disrupt this ectoplasm that's in the room and it can recoil back into the medium's body. I heard a story not too long ago from Scott, who said he was in a demonstration. The trumpet was high up in the air, being held onto by one of these ectoplasmic cords that was running from his belly area to the other side of the room, holding onto this trumpet when someone, instead of turning the music on, turned a light on. Every person in that circle was able to see the ectoplasm with their own eyes, and they could see the trumpet drop and this ectoplasm get sucked back and went into the cabinet, into the medium. Well, the seance had to come to an end, and Scott had burn marks on his belly and also black and blue marks under his eyes. It is very traumatic for a physical medium to do such a thing. There is always the danger of either somebody doing something accidental like that was or somebody doing something on purpose. In fact, there's many physical mediums from days gone by who people thought were frauds and would break into a seance and they tend to have shorter lifespans because of all this risk and the things that can happen. So unfortunately, it took a long time for Scott to build up his strength again to continue doing these seances. A physical medium sits in a home circle. So every week he sits with a small group of people that he knows and loves and trusts. And this particular circle has sat together for many years and they sing songs and they just feed the medium, so to speak. I mean, they just build the strength. There's no phenomena that happens. There will be communication that one of the workers that works through Scott will talk to them. But the home circle really does provide energy for this to happen. In my own experience in the seance, as, as great as all that fun stuff was, what happened next was, was really special. Daniel said that they would like to form the ectoplasmic voice box. So basically over Scott's shoulder or somewhere, they form this voice box that's made out of this ectoplasm and they allow the loved ones 
to speak again to the people that they have in the room. After the voice box is formed, there is usually someone who is a singer in the unseen world that will stretch out the vocal cords doing a lot of la 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 before it's stretched out enough. And then Daniel will work as a regular medium. And he'll say, I've got a young man here who says his name is Tom. And these are the things he did. And his parent is here and gives some bits of information. And he'll say, who can recognize this? And so he'll try to place who this person is here to talk to. And then Daniel, with a sense of humor, he'll say, okay, lad, push your face into it. And then you hear something like, hi, mom, it's me. It's so special because the communication is straight from the person in the spirit world. It's not just, hi, mom, it's me, but it's very detailed information that only the mother would know. I have personally witnessed many reunions between loved ones in the afterlife and people here. But one of my most favorite stories is I hosted an event in Orlando and I had mediums and we even had a seance with Scott Milligan. There was a young girl who was in the spirit world and her parents were in the audience. During one of the evidential mediumship readings, the daughter came through a medium with specifics and a message for the mother. Another occasion, the daughter came through a spirit artist who drew a picture of the daughter and also told the mother she had the daughter's hairbrush in her purse, and absolutely she did. During the seance, the daughter got to speak to the mother and the father. In fact, she said something to the father and referred to her by the nickname that only the father called her. I saw a big, tough, strong man start to cry, realizing that this is real and that his daughter is still alive. And the cherry on top of the cake is we had Sonia Rinaldi there, the researcher from Brazil who films static energy and many other things, only to have faces materialize pictures of people in the afterlife. And this daughter, this parent's little girl, her face showed up with a big smile and continues to come through in different ways, saying she is helping other children who have crossed into the afterlife. Many scientists have explored physical mediumship throughout the years, and it still seems like something so hard to believe. Experiencing this does change your life. Even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle gave up writing Sherlock Holmes for his passion for the afterlife. When we come back from the break, I want to have you listen to Dan Aykroyd and his father, Peter Aykroyd, about the truth about ghosts and ghostbusters and seances. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Keep it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Sandra Champlain will be right back. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for that certain someone who shares your interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal? Look no further than ParanormalDate.com, the unique site for like-minded people. If you like the senior crowd, try ParanormalDate.com forward slash seniors to meet like-minded people that are 60 plus it all depends on what you prefer paranormaldate.com is great for everyone you can also tap into members that are 60 plus at paranormaldate.com forward slash seniors enjoy your search have some fun at paranormaldate.com The Internet is an extraordinary resource that links our children to a world of information, experiences, and ideas. It also can expose them to risk. Teach your children the basic safety rules of the virtual world. Our children are everything. Do everything for them.
You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network with the best shows that explore the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. You can enjoy all shows on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. I'd like to play for you a clip of Dan Aykroyd and Father Peter Aykroyd talking about ghosts, ghostbusters, and seances. Peter Aykroyd has passed into the spirit world in 2020, but he wrote a book called A History of Ghosts, The True Story of Seances, Mediums, Ghosts, and Ghostbusters. Peter's grandfather, Samuel, was a well-respected member of the community, a dentist, and was interested in scientific things. Here they are being interviewed by their hometown radio show back in 2010. My grandfather was a foot soldier in the spiritualist movement, and spiritualism, um, by the way, is a misnomer. There's nothing spiritual about it. These people aren't religious who are adherents to the spiritualism. It should be spiritism. And the main tenet of spiritual spiritism is that you can communicate with the dead. So it's communicating with spirits. And um, every, every week, a bunch of uh, shiny black cars would come down the, the, the driveway to the farmhouse, and people would get all dressed up, and they'd be as if they were going to some kind of a ceremony, I don't know what. Hmm. And um, I snuck in through the cellar door and looked through the crack in the door to see what happened, and lo and behold, I was witnessing a seance with a medium, and participants and spirits were coming through to talk to the participants. You wouldn't have known that it was a seance at the time. I didn't know. I didn't what, know what did you think they were doing? <laughs> I didn't know what the word meant, but it becomes second nature to me because I saw it often enough that it was just part of my life and therefore there was nothing extraordinary about it. Something uh, something experienced uh, uh, often enough becomes, uh, uh, becomes uh, commonplace. Well, but you weren't frightened when you first saw this. You, you, no, you were intrigued and wanted to... Well, there's to... nothing to be frightened about because it's very much like a performance and I make that point in the book in one of the chapters that very, very much like a performance. A seance is... Uh, uh, the maestro or the the, uh, the, the, the the impresario in this case was Grandfather Aykroyd, and uh, he was the one who was putting on the show. And the uh, audience, of course, was the people who they were called sitters at seances. When you're in a seance, you're sitting, so you're in a sitting. There were sitters, <laughs> and the um, the main performer was the um, the medium, but he wasn't the performer at all because through him spoke spirits from the other side, and they were the ones. And they were handled uh, like the technicians in the studio here by technicians who controlled who came on and who came off. Very, very, very much like a theatrical performance. And uh, you and you became, before long, became one of the regular participants I in this. I did indeed. That's right. And the rest of my life, um, uh, off and on, as I, was, as I was in Toronto and other places, when Walter Ashurst, the medium, was still there, I was able to attend the seances. Now, Dan Aykroyd, when you were growing up, how much were you aware of this part of your family's history? Uh, very much so. Uh, my, uh, my experience uh, going up to the old farmhouse, which was used partially as, as a cottage by various members of the family uh, through, through my youth and college years and Second City years, uh, just as you'd see Life magazines or National Geographic lying around many cottages uh, we had the american society for psychical research journals lying around <laughs> right, right. and all kinds of books that were handed down from uh from my 
uh, from Sam and Morris, uh, who was uh, dad's father, Bell Telephone Engineer. So the, the whole family was sort of steeped in this, uh, this kind of uh, just accepted uh, fact that uh, spirits uh, do exist and can, can you communicate if you find a talented medium him or her who is willing to give themselves up to the controls and the controls are the entities from the other side that come through. And so that combined with an article in the ASPR journal about quantum physics and uh, parapsychology and my love of old ghost movies from the thirties and forties, Bob Hope, Abbott and Costello, the Bowery boys, um, that sort of, you know, uh, married together to, to produce the first draft of Ghostbusters. Dan, before you gave yourself over to it though, do you, uh, given that this isn't what, all families do. Did you, what, do you remember your initial reaction? Did you think it was odd? Did you think it was cool? What, what did you, how did you first react when dad says, you know, we do these things, we sit around and we do. Well, uh, we, I, I never, you know, of course we've never done it in, in this generation, but uh, one of the first stories I, I do remember about it, I, I remember hearing about that there were seances and my grandmother and grandmother spoke of it uh, when they were alive. And uh, it, was, it was interesting when you're talking about, you know, communicating with spirits of people that have gone before or entities that are out there and want to talk to us. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating, not, not, not to mention entertaining. Uh, and I, um, I, I basically uh, became really aware of it when I heard a story by my uncle, uh, dad's brother, Morris. And he was a kind of a, he was a classic cock of the walk Canadian alpha male, man. You know, get out of the way, you know, bridge engineer, a tough kind of guy, really, uh, you know, he had a tough exterior. And he was, uh, he was definitely a man's man, you know, and he was sitting there with a, with a rye and, and I was, uh, you know, coming coming in from various activities uh, in this in the summer, like hanging hanging out at the farm. And I sat down and and uh, I asked him about the seances. I said, you know, did you ever participate? And he said, well, when I was four years old uh, in Westmount, there was a seance going on, and I walked into the room and I looked up and I saw a trumpet flying around the room speaking. And as soon as I walked in, I was about four years old. He said the trumpet fell to the ground and the seance stopped, and everybody was mad at me because I broke <laughs> Right. So coming from him, um, I, uh, you know, I could, I, I started to, to to believe that there really might be something there. Well, you- let, let me interrupt to say that the trumpet was not a valve trumpet. It was like a herald trumpet with no valves, long. Mm. Like a rah-rah trumpet at a... Uh, bugle. At a, a, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, no, not like a bugle. A, uh, it was made of copper and very light. Like and a loudspeaker. And, and actually, there is a type of medium known as uh, known as a direct voice medium. And that means that the spirits do not speak through the medium, but they speak through the trumpet. And the trumpet levitates mm. and circles around the room. And then, and it sounds like this, the voice is coming from the trumpet. That's, that's to give some precision to this trumpet business. <laughs> Dan, uh, Peter talked about spiritism. You, you, you self-identify as a spiritualist today. What, what does that mean? To you, uh, well, to me, it means uh, that you know you, that we look beyond the corporeal for some kind of meaning and reason for living, and uh, I like the analysis in the book that I don't know who who says Frederick Myers, and he says that the soul is encompassed by the body, and the soul then in turn encompasses the spirit. So it's not just body and soul anymore; it's body, soul, and spirit. And to me, spiritualism can have a religious connotation. Certainly, I am a, I'm a Christian. I don't know if I hew exactly to the teachings of the Catholic Church, but I consider that my spirit uh, is linked to the, the universal 
uh, everything. I, I feel that, uh, that it's linked to, to everyone and everything out there. I feel that I'm a part of the human community, uh, in a spiritual way. I guess that's my own d- definition of my own personal spiritualism, mm. that every spirit out there is linked. And I'm, I'm definitely happy to be part of the chain. This, Peter, this book is as much about the history of spiritualism or spiritism, uh, uh, your correction, uh, as it is about the Ackroyd family's interest in the paranormal. How did you come to write it this way? Why did you want to set up the history for us? Uh, because of uh, Dr. Ackroyd's journals. You see, um, he, kept the, uh, he kept a journal of his experiences with the mediums and his reading and his meeting with other persons who are interested in the subject starting in 1900. And going to 1930, 30 years of his musings and writings, and my sister and I discovered these in the trunk of family relics at the basement of the house in Moore Park here when we broke up the uh, broke up the, the household, and we were all bound together in binder twine, 83 of them, and we took them apart. And here was in his handwriting were all these musings with the dates on them and what they were, and it was clear to me that he wanted them to be the world to hear what he had said all these years you've been writing this and and much of it has never really got out before so that formed formed the spine of a book and i said this story's got to be told see he was he was in the front line of of researchers and inquirists like arthur conan doyle like uh, charles richet a physiologist who coined the word the word ectoplasm now here's an ectoplasm this is worth the the price of the book this photo right i saw this yeah that now i look at that now there's a face in here and there's a skull and another it's arthur conan doyle's i'm going to dad i'm going come on now this has to be superimposed how can this be real and, and, and the thing that, that makes it credible is the fact that this woman was a subject uh, of the research which was being done by a gentleman named Dr. Thomas uh, Glendenning Hamilton, uh, Glenn Hamilton of Winnipeg. He was a surgeon uh, at the uh, Winnipeg General Hospital. He was also a medical uh, uh, lecturer in jurisprudence and clinical procedure at the University of Winnipeg. He was a very serious inquirer into this. And for him to have faked something uh, such as this would have, right. would have completely undermined his, his whole raison d'etre in a way. And uh, my argument is, well, maybe at the end of his life he wanted to prove it so badly that he had to do this. But it just doesn't seem in keeping with Dr. Hamilton's work that he would fake something but like this. But on that note, Dan, throughout this book we see, as you say, distinguished scientists in the early part of the 20th century yes. taking the paranormal very seriously, rigorously testing these mediums. Are you disappointed that scientists today don't seem to take these ideas as seriously? Well, Duke University had a paranormal uh, um, division there for a while that they, they were teaching, and uh, the Maimonides Dream Laboratory was doing great Jungian work in Brooklyn for a while. Uh, the American Society for Psychical Research is basically made up of a body of psychologists and researchers that contribute articles uh, on a monthly basis to, uh, to, to, to serve the science. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see ectoplasm produced in this clinical uh, environment and then have a DNA test taken of it, of the yeah, mass of the ectoplasm from the from the body of the of the um, the operator, and then within here, like for instance, these this head. I mean, I would take a piece of the mass if you could get it before it vaporizes, and a piece of one of these heads here. And if if the DNA is different within the ectoplasm, then we know we've got something here for sure. But you know, but 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 my point being that you know that some sometimes some scientists aren't going to go there or or don't go there now. And and and, and mm-hmm. I wonder if you lament that. Well, a lot of scientists do though. There's a lot of psychologists and a lot of physiologists, a lot of doctors, a lot of people who are making these inquiries today, particularly in Brazil. Um, Brazil has uh, in fact there's a university you can go to and get a degree in paranormal studies. Yeah. The University of Edinburgh now has a uh, a diploma program in paranormal studies. 
So there are inquirists out there, and there, there are people doing it. Um, I'd like to speak directly, if you don't mind ahead. me interrupting. And yes, that sir. Is, uh, no, no, I look, I'll talk a gramophone to scrap iron, as Johnny uh, <laughs> Faye, uh, is li- like. Take it away, say. Peter. <laughs> no, your question is very perceptive, and I, I, and I lament that there isn't more research going on today of the clinical kind that we have seen in the past in this book. It's very serious, and I'm hoping that the book, this is a serious book. It's not a frivolous book. It's a work of scholarship. It can be counted on what I say in here. The references are good. They can be checked up and validated. Unfortunately, I have to cut the acroids short on this one because we're just out of time. This deserves a second episode. But in the meanwhile, do some research. Check out Alec Harris, Leslie Flint, Stuart Alexander, Gordon Higginson, and my friend Scott Milligan. I'm Sandra Champlain. You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. For shows like this and others, please make sure to tune into the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone.